Blog Talk Radio. to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Anisogoma, Salbona, Abargani, Nangadef, Majwo, Peace, Indamana, Indamanesh, Hetepu, Yimhotep, War, Pan-African Greetings Family. This is your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti, and you have entered Africa's reascension. We'll start off, as we usually do, with an apae or a libation, which is an ancient ritual that's still done, um, and it's deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods. It deliberately calls upon the energies of our African spirit forces, and it deliberately calls upon the energies of those forces yet born to help guide and bless this endeavor. Ago, 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 Inyame, Inyamewa, Odumakuma, Treaty Upon, Mawulisa, Ologro, Amen Ra, Amen Ra, Bejeansa, Asasiya, Abasum, Abasum Po, Nana Sergibi, and the Esiketsuwa, and the Dada Kofi, and the Tigray, and the Tigray, and the Tigray, and the Senkofa, and the Kumi, and the Kwe and the Akonada Abena, and the Subonta, and the Bocherewa, Taminsa, Shango, Ojuba, Oya, Ojuba, Oshun, Ojuba, Chahuti, and Asar and Sekmet and Nananola and Samanfo and Samanfo Abasul Fowl and Abasul Abasul Fowl and Yeshremo Yansa Yeshremo Ahuddin Yeshremo and Chera Yeshremo Sikapa Yeshremo and Kwaslo Yeshremo and Kwaslo Abasul Fowl I ask that you, Odumakuma, Nyame, Nyamewa, Treaty of Pum, Mawulisa, Olorun, Amenra, Katawakata, use me and Africa's reascension to transmit clear African centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their Sun Sun, their spirit, their Ori, their spirit 
your head, and their ab, or id, their heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside all who hear Africa's reascension. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mo Piapo, Mo Nekasa, Medasi Nanano, Yo Medasi Nanano. And I would like to give an extra pouring in the supply to my mother who. Four years ago, this month, became an ancestor. So, FME, Mom, I love you. You are always in my heart. May you continue to watch after me, guide me, and bless yourself. Yo, So, the pie. So libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one with those of tomorrow. Look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Again, first, let's start off, I have to say, Madasi to everyone who's listening and everyone who will listen. What's up, co-creator? Um, I, I'm finding that Africa's reascension, African world analysis, this whole thing is definitely hidden worldwide. Looking at um all the analytics, I see I've got listeners and followers and people checking me out from Brazil, from Canada, all the way over to Sweden and Russia. I thought there was only 25 black folks in Russia, so <laughs> one of those 25, some type of way, got got wind of Africa's reascension or, or afterward analysis. Hey, whatever it is, Madasi, um, hopefully some good information is being given. And um, as well, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm be remiss if I um, didn't include Africa. Um, um, Ghana and um, and um, ah, somewhere in in the um, temporarily held by the Arabs region in Africa, I forget the exact place, but I'm getting listeners from there too. So again, Madasi, it's good to know that it's getting more wide attention. Um, tell your friends, get more people to listen. Um, this information is good for folks in the U.S. as well as black folks, where stolen Africans, wherever we are. Um, let's use it and, and, and let's start building what we're supposed to be building and get out this mess and we link up worldwide that way. So, Madassi, Madassi for everyone who's checking this out. Um, so, yes, yeah, some other good blog talk shows, Pan-Africanism or Paris by Taj Malik, T-A-J-M-A-L-I-K. He hasn't been on for a minute, but you still want to um, throw that into the blog talk search engine and go to his pages because he has some good archives that are well worth 
a one, two, three, four, five um, times listening to, um, and and I, I try to support his show when I can. And so if you click some of his archives, you probably hear me on there. We going back <laughs> and forth, chopping it up and stuff like that. So Pan Africanism or Parish by Taj Malik T A J M A L I K. Check his show out. Queen Ifama, the Truth Terrorist. Sundays right before this show at 7 o'clock Eastern. You want to check her show out. Uh, Raw, butt naked, unclothed truth um, for African people. And it's always good to hear a system putting it down because we get overran and bombarded with um, brother energy doing this sort of stuff. So it is good to see sisters step up with an African-centered mindset not just this nebulous new age, let's go hug a tree and, 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 and hump a butterfly type of mentality, but sisters who are, yeah, humping the butterfly, uh, but sisters who are down for African people, African-centered thought, and um, also wanting the nation build and, 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 and getting us back to the glory that we once had. So, Hey, what's up, Team Green? Thanks for stopping by. So again, in, in, in the same vein, Sister Iyajua, I-Y-A-A-D-J-U-A. Her show is with Hemi Mesu, Cultural Rebirth Connection. Um, she just had a show this Wednesday. I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, but she pops in here from time to time and um, adds her input, so definitely let's um, cross-pollinate our um, conscious. In the, in the real meaning of conscious um, populations on, on within blog talk. Um, again, Iyajua, I-Y-A, the next word, A-D-J-U-A, Wahimi Nasu, Cultural Rebirth Connection. And for folks who aren't familiar with the term Wahimi Nasu, uh, we'll hear the popularizer of that term speak a little bit, bit about it tonight um, by the Jedi Shimsu Jehuti, uh, slave named Jacob Kravitz. And lastly, um, check out Brother Jacques Agboten, A-G-B-O-T-O-N, and his show, World Pan-African Voice. Um, he just got back on after a long layoff, and, and, and for folks who are regulars here, like I said, he was the brother who turned me on totally to blog talk, heard him speak at a UNIA gathering here in D.C., and he was talking about he had a show on Blog Talk, and I was like, what's Blog Talk? Checked it out. Been hooked ever since, and now, hey, I got my show here. So you want to check his show out. Um, his shows come on Sundays at 1 p.m. It's World Pan-African Voice, Jacques, Jacques Agboton, A-G-B-O-T-O-N. Just throw that into the um, blog talk search and check out his shows as well. Um, Briefly, because we want to get through all this, because next week's topic, um, as I've got it mentally, should be good. So we don't want any carryover tonight. We want to fully finish this up so then we can move on. Yeah, so check out AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. Um, African with a K, World Analysis, all one word, .com. Right now, that is your one-stop shop for all things uncompromisingly 
African-centered. If the person is listening or if they will listen later on in the archives, I want to thank whoever just recently bought some copies of my book, How to Make a Negro Christian. Um, It's always a... It's a timely book, just period, for stolen African history. But it's always extra timely um, during December when that whole Christmas myth and Christ myth seems to um, get extra play throughout this Caucasoid society. And since we're followers of Caucasoid society, unfortunately, we follow this Jesus myth. And so it's good that there is one book out there in existence right now, that's coming from an African-centered perspective that challenges us to look at how we became Christians in the main, in the majority, how that happened. And and so in my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, I try to give one angle of how that got laid out. And that can be gotten, again, at AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. Gives you links back here to my show page, Blog Talk. Gives you link to Africa's Reascension YouTube channel. Gives link to uh, my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, as well as it gives a link to the self-titled news journals that I've been doing since 2002 called African World Analysis. So they will all, the last ten are up. The rest will be up uh, increasingly before we get to the new year, and then we'll start with a new issue in January 2012, Gregorian calendar. So you definitely want to check it out, hitting print, hitting um, audio waves, hitting video waves, AfricanWorldAnalysis.com right now is your one-stop shop for all things uncompromisingly African-centered. Again, African World Analysis, all one word, and African with a K, dot com. Um, okay, um, quickly, I finally got my hands on the um, Skip Gates crap book, Life Among These Shores. Um, don't have my copy yet, my free copy, because I still don't recommend it. Um, everyone go check it out at the library, borrow it from people, um, maybe get some friends to buy it for you, but you don't spend your money on it if you're coming from an African-centered perspective. You should already know about Skip Gates and his buffoonery. Um, I'll say one thing for him. And looking through it, um, he did give mention to um, the central premise of my book, How to Make a Negro Christian. It's the whole thing is the republication of the sermon and the book by Charles Cocock Jones called The Religious Instructions of the Negro. Well, surprisingly, um, Skip Gates in his crappy little book, he does um, give quick mention to it um, and even shows, not not to my book, not how to make a Negro Christian, but two, he gives, um, he does show um, the religious structures of the Negro and names Colcock, Charles Colcock Jones by name in that book. Uh, what he did is Skippy gives credit to, I guess, the academic 
who who sat down and decided that we needed to give religious structures to the Negro and I guess his first um foray in putting stuff together. Uh, yes, I'm in D C. Uh, co creator. I in my book give credit to the foot soldier of the academic plan. It's it's you know, you, you, the, the, Charles Colcock Jones was the guy who went from plantation to plantation to plantation, um, passing it on to other enslaved African owners and, and working out the kinks. And it's through his legwork and diligence that we are now Christians in the majority today. Um, so, so I give Skip half credit for at least um, coming across that document. And, of course, he doesn't follow it all the way out through to um, how I do in my book. Of course not, because Skip is a good Christian himself with his white wife. But anyway, and speaking of him, if anyone is in the D.C. area, December 5th, little diminutive, everything black-hating Skip Gates will be at Politics and Pearls Bookstore at 5015 Connecticut Avenue. Tuesday, I think that's what this is, December 5th at 7 o'clock to talk about his crap of a book, Life Upon These Shores. Um, if anything, it's it's a cute $50 book in the sense that it's got a whole bunch of pictures, damn near a picture on every page. Um, the, 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 of the many problems I have with it, there's no new information in there. There's no new information uh, about um, some of the stuff that we have shared here <laughs> on Africa's Reascension. He he doesn't mention any, even though he gave a um, blurb on the back of the American Uprising book by Daniel Rasmussen, the, the white boy who did a pretty good job recounting the um, the um, enslaved African revolt in New Orleans, the largest attempted um, enslaved African revolt in the U.S. He gives no mention of that in the book. He gives no mention of the uh, Marlboro. He's got a whole half a page on Amistad, but he he, he makes no mention of of the Marlboro. And if you go back through our archives on, um, uh, we we did a whole series on resisting enslavement and, um, on the slave ships, on the ships, on the enslavement ships, I should say, um, we gave, we walked through the whole story of the Marlboro, which was probably the only story that I've come across where we enslaved Africans took control of the ship, killed all but two Caucasoids on the ship, made them turn it back around, back to Africa. And and all of that quote unquote cargo went to hell back home. We hear about Amistad because Amistad had white folks helping us out to help tie us and wed us to that idea that we can't do shit without Congozoids. No. The Marlboro is the most complete that I've come across right now, I mean, so I'm still digging. Um successful um enslavement ship revolt. That, that that's out right now, where we regain our freedom 
And, and again, there, there's nothing in there about that, um, either just due to him missing it, because he's got a whole chapter in their own resistance, and it sucks. It is. <laughs> so, again, anybody who's listening who will listen, do not buy Skip Gates' book, Life Upon These Shores, um, unless you're doing this for reference. Um, unless you can trick somebody else into buying it for you, it is not worth your hard-earned $50 plus tax wherever you are. Uh, no, 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 don't do it. Uh, I'll be The only reason why I'll have a copy is because I'm going to get one for free. <laughs> and, but, but now, a, a, a hopefully a good book that will be out on the 30th, so real, real soon. Um, this is the first of two books, at least that I know of, that are coming out to counter the Manning Marable tripe, the re- life, uh, life of Reinvention on Malcolm X. <clears throat> the title of it is called By Any Means Necessary, Malcolm X, Real, Not Reinvented. It is um, compiled and edited by her boy, Ron Daniels, um, Malan Karanga and Hakeem Adabudi. It's twenty bucks. Looks like it's going to be paperback. And um, what it says here is, by any means necessary, editors, those four I just mentioned, are in unison when stating, "Our purpose here with this collection is to continue and to expand the debate arising from Manning Marable's biography." Uh, and then it continues, through the collective vision of these four scholars, word makers, and educators, readers now have a comprehensive view of the memorable text as well as new scholarship and insight on Malcolm the Man, real, not reinvented. So, again, it seems like the only way, it's not even up on Amazon, the only way you can get this book is to go to Third World Press um, website, which is T. W.B. Books, T is in uh, Tanzania, W.P. as in, I can't think of a good keyword, <laughs> T.W.P.Books.com, and then that should be one of the first books that pop up. Again, by any means necessary, um, Malcolm X Real, Not Reinvented by her boy, Brian Daniels, uh, Karanga, and Hakeem Adabuti. It will be available November 30th, what they're saying, um, and basically it's 20 bucks, and you can only get it right now from a Third World Press book, Third World Press online. Um, or if you're in, in the area, you can probably get it from them um, when it drops. So, and there should be another one. Um, I forget the. There will be another one um, put together um, by by Jared Ball. Um, I think by the Black Classic Press people, and I think that one will be going through all of the different reviews that have been put out. Um, and I think Peter Bailey will be giving a scathing critique of the book. I'm pretty sure Carl Evans has a good piece in the book. Um, so while I'll, I'm sure I'll get both of them, I'm really hyped to see what the other one will have to say. And I forget this tentative title right now, but as it gets more closer to publication, we will definitely give the 
get information out on African history ascension. Good to good to see folks chatting up in the chat room. That's always good. Um, so yeah, we're gonna play a quick promo, take a quick break so I can take get some water and then jump right into this. Um, this will be the conclusion of the lecture analysis show that we did on um, on uh, July seventeenth. Uh, Baba Jacob Karebis, we played his whole lecture called "The Deep Well of African Culture and Spirituality." And so we're going back now. This is part two, the conclusion. We're going back now, looking at key segments of his talk and um, chopping it up and breaking it down and um, highlighting and giving added information and stuff like that. So uh, right after this break, we will get back into that. You are listening to Africa's Reascension, and this is your host, Kamal McCasey-Sahudi. And we will be right back. Africa's reascension. Kamal McCasey Tahuti. As of this moment, we are at war. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Kamal301. K A M A U 301. Seven six zero four five four one 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 seven six zero four five four one 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 one. When are we gonna, as African people, step up the dialogue? Sundays, nine p.m. Eastern. Because it's Black African Power. An uncompromising, unapologetic, African-centered internet radio show. Until we reestablish. Africa as the preeminent value, none of those other solutions mean a doggone thing. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301. If you're not about nation building, you're not about African centeredness. 760-454-1111. 760-454-1111. As of this moment... We are at war. There is no evidence that black and white races can live in close proximity to each other in peace without, without whites attempting to oppress and exterminate the black. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301. What kind of God do you wish him? What's the name of it? Who taught you to praise him? Was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Is this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God? Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301.
clip was the clip of this show, the longer version for Africa's Reascension, put together all by yours truly. Um, and then the second was a song called I Am African from Brother Kaba. Um, and just Google in Kaba, K-A-B-A, soul singer, and all his ordering information, all that should come up. A magnificent, magnificent song. He's right here in D.C., and he's a pretty good friend of mine. And, and I've heard him perform it live, and I got my copy of the CD. And so you need to go get your copy of the CD. Um, we try to play that song as much as we can because and, and, it just says so much uh, directly and with good beat and all that good old stuff. And so I put all the other information in the chat room as well about um, the book I just mentioned, about afterworld analysis and everything. So, hey, peace, child. Thanks for stopping through. Um, so, yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, so last week we started it. This week we'll finish. Um, and I'll just read from the show page. Um, on 7-17-2011, we played a magnificent lecture by True Master Teacher, Dr. J.D. Shimsu Jehudi, also known as Dr. Jacob Carruthers. Tonight, we, we will conclude this talk highlighting key concepts and breaking down critical aspects of his dynamic lecture. Um, we had a few bullet points last week, so I wanted to update them for this segment of the discussion. So a few of the bullet points he'll be speaking on tonight. Um, what does an ideal, spiritually grounded African person look like? Are their spiritual pursuits disconnected from physical ones, as in New Age thought? Uh, that one, I, I, and of course, when we get to it, I'm going to highlight it, but there's a whole bunch of New Agey folks with black skin who feel that all you got to do is ring some bells, hug some trees, hump some butterflies, and just float around, and all the work is done. And it somehow detaches you from doing anything physical. It somehow detaches these higher so-called spiritual pursuits, somehow detaches you from your culture, from other people that look like you, from people that look like you that are getting beat down by people that don't look like you. Somehow the so-called higher spiritual pursuits disconnects you from that. And so Dr. Carruthers speaks on that um, directly with um, a segment within what he has to say tonight. Um, another question, what lessons can we get from the comedic story of Sinue and from the Haitian Bukman's prayer? Another one is what are some actual principles of traditional African spirituality and how does this differ from the reductionist, nebulous definitions that others give regarding it? Um, another bullet point, why is there a great need to restore traditional African spirituality for the liberation of her people? And then we say whatever else we can squeeze into the three hours, this lecture analysis show is not to be missed. And to hear the entire Uncut Carruthers lecture, please download the archive for 7-17-2011 entitled The Deep Well of African Culture and Spirituality. So, 
So we gave, we played his background for folks who don't know who Dr. Crothers is. It's a shame if you don't know who he is. Uh, and so if you want all that background information, please download either the whole lecture on 717 or go back and listen to part one. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. So, but what I will rep- I will go back, and I felt like I had to rush through some of the stuff towards the end of the show, even after three hours last week, because I started running my mouth. And so we will replay some of those, some of the last ones, starting um, Mirages versus Oasis, and uh, then uh, replay a few of those and then jump right into the rest of the analysis for tonight. But to set everything up, this is going to become a regular um, quote that we play on the show because it's so poignant. Um, Dr. Carruthers is quoting from his mentor, his peer at the time. Um, They're both now ancestors. He's quoting from Dr. John Hendrick Clark on, yeah, I'll just play it. No people can be spiritually, politically, all psychologically free when they worship an image of God assigned to them by another people. The new revolution in Africa that will usher in real independence will start when Africans begin to look at all aspects of their life based upon their spirituality, their culture, and their political interests. No people can be spiritually politically or psychologically free when they worship an image of God assigned to them by another people. The new That should go without saying. And A Sun Nubia, um, that again should go without saying, but we are are, are are too busy right now in phase two, as, as as I've called it on previous shows. We're too busy trying to blacken up Christianity, trying to Africanize other people's stuff versus dealing what doesn't even need Africanizing because it is African, our traditional spiritual systems. And we don't even want to look at that. We just want to get a some Andinkra symbol stamps and and put that on the Bible. (laughs) We want to wrap it up in Kente cloth. We want to do all of that sort of stuff. Um, But he he believed it. That's why he quoted um, Dr. Clark, who also believed it as well. No people can ever get free by worshiping a God that was given to them by somebody else. And and I went through goo gobs of hours on my own show, and there will be goo gobs of more hours to show that Christianity is not ours. <laughs> and 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 I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep blowing that horn until a critical mass of us start listening and then moving forward on um, that understanding. So last week we shared what Dr. Curtis had to say about mirages versus oases. Briefly, mirages are um, the fake stuff. Mirages are 
African spiritual temples that only want to deal with the spiritual stuff and have no nation building, no black nationalist consciousness with it. They probably let white folks in. They probably let um, confused gender people in. Um, And even if they don't do those two things, by them not having any type of nation building or nationalist perspective to their spiritual um, peace, it's basically just um, useless spirituality. It's individual-based spirituality, which will not get us anywhere. Unless you get an individual within one of those places that then something else gets awakened within them and then they decide to do something larger and moving forward, if they're just going to keep it within them, it's it's no good. And so those are some of the mirages and versus oases, which are your your true African-centered um, traditional spiritual revival type groups um, who fully understand the need to wed the liberation movement with um, our real traditional spirituality that goes back 100, 150,000 years that's still on the continent to this day. Um, and so he, 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 he talks about that as in way of analogy. And so I'll shut up now. So let us then look for the deep well. African spiritual. Now, look for the details. You can't draw anything from the well unless you find it. You've got to find the well before you can draw something from it. Because the whole African universe is on a spiritual and cultural desert. The desiccation of the Sahil, which is growing south, inch by inch, mile by mile every year, is just simply the physical aspect of what is happening to African humanity all over the world. And that is the desiccation of our culture the desiccation of our spirituality. So we have to recognize that. And in this desert, there are a few oases. And there are thousands of mirages. And when you stand in in the middle of the desert and you're looking out there, it's difficult to tell the mirage from the oasis. And most of us have been moving towards mirage. Because that's what our leaders are equipped to do, is to lead us to the mirage. Because our leaders have been telling us for 300 years that if you Become a Catholic. If you become a Methodist, if you become a Presbyterian, if you become a Congregationalist, if you become a Baptist, 
It's going to be all right. And so we run to those garages. <laughs> we drench ourselves in that sand and begin to realize there's no water there at all. There's none but more sand. And then they tell us, well, you haven't been devout enough. And if you look out there, you see that if you can get there, then it's going to be all right. And so you run out there and you find the same thing. If you get a PhD, get educated, start using deodorants, start dressing more civilly, start talking more proper. In other words, our leaders are parroting what their masters are telling them about how to get out of this desert. If you stop dancing, if you stop drumming, if you stop shaking when you experience spirituality, then uh, you will reach your destination. And so the mirage has us captivated. The tyranny of the mirage. The problem with the few oases that I have there is the first place they are hard to discover. It's hard to separate them from the fraudulent oases because there are a lot of brothers and sisters out there who are crooks, who got something that looks like an oasis, but it's just as detrimental as the other kind of mirage. It's really a mirage. Those true oases that are out there are scattered and separated. The few communities that hang on to African spirituality and that continue, continue to cultivate are isolated. It's difficult to find. They don't have the proper resources in order to truly uh, establish themselves in an intergenerational sense. And so we have a lot of difficulty in this desert with many mirages and a few oases. Now, I did get a chance to speak on that pretty well uh, towards the end of last week's show, so I won't spend a lot of time this time. I'll just re-highlight, and I know he probably did it on purpose. I just love the use of the term desiccation, D-E-S-S-I-C-A-T-I-O-N, because usually, you know, it, it, when you the, – the, in the dictionary, they have primary definitions and then secondary and sometimes tertiary. And, you know, dehydration, a lack of water, arid. But one of the secondary definitions of desiccation, which, I mean, I, I, again, I'm sure he did this on purpose because he, he was using it in the context of the desert and the deep well, the desert of Caucasoid thought versus the deep well of after spirituality. So he's using it in the context of the desert. And desiccation, but one of the definitions of desiccation also is lacking of spirit. And and when I saw that last week, I was like, ding, ding, ding. That was just brought the analogy even more home for me. That 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 he's using that term, and that that's what we're going through globally: a lacking of spirit of our movements, a lacking of spirit. Um, a lacking of true spirit, even in some of our spiritual houses, um, but 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 mainly a lacking of spirit, a defecation of African life, 
and uh, so I just really, really like um, him, him him using that term to help bring that analogy home. And so he gives three models that can be used as oases for traditional African spiritual spiritual success. Three models that have already had success and three models that we need to look at if we want to um, build upon those successes that they've that that was already had in our past. Um, and so we'll share those now. And so we have to look around into our our library, into our uh, heritage, into our historical journey to see whether there are some models out there that we can start looking at. And I would suggest three models that will give us something. They are not the only ones, there are many more, but three models. Uh, one is the Haitian Revolution. The Haitian Revolution is a model that we can look at. Starting with Bookman's Prayer that I'm going to come back to toward the end of my talk. Bookman's Prayer, which really told us that we have to come back home. In order to begin a revolution, you have to come back home. That's the beginning. That is the foundation. You have to come back home. Because we have fought many, many times. You know? We have established many campaigns. We have done a lot of sweat, a lot of crime, and a lot of grief. Over the centuries, we have fought this and that and the other. But when you think about it, almost every time we were fighting the wrong war, giving up our lives in the wrong war, the Civil War. It looked like a good war for us to get involved in, but when it was over, you know, World War One, a lot of my daddy tells me that a lot of young men and women were very enthusiastic about that. If we get involved in this war, it's gonna be better. But they came back to strange truth. So we fought many, many wars and many battles. It's not a matter of courage. It's not a matter of energy. We put in the energy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, somehow another. We've been fighting the wrong war all the time. And so the Haitian Revolution then comes to us as a as a a deep way that we can get something out of it. Because it started with the proclamation that we must return to the African spirituality. And throughout that revolution, the place of Bodum was promised. The Bodoon of the of the forest of Haiti, the Bodoon of the so-called Maroons, the free and independent community, constantly fed and kept alive that spirit of freedom that finally resulted in the first revolution against slavery in the history of humanity. And the most important and significant military event in the history of the modern world. Although Nobody knows that because the European intellectuals have decided to hide the significance of that event from us. 
And then when Gasoline finally pushed the French and the English and the Spaniards off the island and proclaimed independence, he inserted in the Constitution many things that we could go through, but one thing for, in this context is very important, and that is freedom of religion. Now, it sounds as though freedom of religion is nothing but a repetition of what the French and the Americans had done. But what Desiree meant by freedom of religion is to take away the stigma for Vodou. What he wanted to make certain was that the Haitian people were not forbidden from continuing to practice Vodou. That's why they say, even 200 years later, that even though 90% of the Haitians are Catholic, 100% practice Vodou. Uh, and even though the Haitian Revolution finally was uh, sort of truncated because of the, um, the playing around of various leaders, uh, nonetheless, that is a powerful model for us to look at. The revolution was so tied to African spirituality that that explains the miracle. How did these 500,000 African people with nothing but grapes and holes how did they beat Napoleon's best army? Napoleon had the most efficient army in the world at that time, and they defeated his army. How did they do it? African spirituality. So yeah, the, 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 the Haitian Revolution would be one model of success in in a group using traditional African spirituality for their liberation. And as we've said a few times um, on the show, they didn't continue with, from, from the information that I'm getting, let me say it this way, they didn't continue with the ritual that they were supposed to do to bring those warrior spirits back in, and that may be some of the reason why they're, they're, they've been continuing to suffer um, today. Um, some of it has been a deliberate making sure that the, the heathen ritual hasn't been done. And some of it is just folks um, forgetting and being lazy and not doing it. Um, and it would just be interesting to see what Haiti could do with itself if and when, if they did go ahead and do the healing ritual that they said they were going to do uh, way back then during the during the revolution, so they could get that victory. What would Haiti look like now with that healing ritual done, and with the appeasement of the spirits who they asked for for help and who delivered? But now we on the human side aren't living up to the bargain that we made with those on the spirit side. So. Just a thought. And, of course, we don't want to um, not add in the fact that after – for folks folks already listening to this show probably already know about the Haiti peace and how um, all of the European <laughs> powers at that time jointly got together and was like, we're not going to recognize you as a state, and we're going to make you pay back the French 
<laughs> the French enslaved y'all and took over where y'all were, but we're going to, and y'all fought, got y'all freedom, but now we're going to force y'all to repay France for the enslavement that France put on y'all. That's some of the, that ranks up there some of the stupidest sounding crap I've ever heard in my life. But when you empower, you get to um, pull it off, and that's what they did. And so the embargoes and the sanctions and, 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 those fees and taxes or whatever you would call them um, also helped um, stop Haiti from emerging. Um, and plus it was 1804 when it happened, and so enslavement was still going on. So any way that they could have, you know, um, hushed that down or shot it down so word wouldn't get out too much and give all of us um, a more angle for freedom than the better. And so... And it's still, the the, the hush-hush of that is still going on today. Um, 2011 Gregorian calendar. Skippy, in his horrible book that I mentioned earlier, mentions the Haitian Revolution, gives no mention of the spiritual peace, and gives very little mention to what uh, the U.S. and all the other Western nations did to um, keep them in check even after their freedom. So let's move to the second model that he sees, that Dr. Carruthers sees as uh, for traditional spiritual success. The second model, of course, we've already talked about, and that's Kim. Um, that the, the, the thing that kept Kimmy going for 4,000 years, the Nile Valley civilization going for 4,000 years, is the ability of African spirituality to knit African peoples together. Uh, the foundation of that spiritual system in the Nile Valley was a common principle of African spirituality and the realization that in order for African spirituality to work in the context of the world as it was developing in those years was to develop an urban and cosmopolitan orientation for African spirituality. And I'll say a few things about that uh, in a few minutes. Uh, thus, what you had was the evolution of a synthetic, multi-ethnic nation, a true African Union uh, that emphasized a respect for local divinities, local religious groups, lo- local to put it in, in, in the terms of the literature expressing the local God. A profound respect. Every city, every community had its own uh, perspective on African spirituality. And the system was able to coordinate all of that and keep all of those people together without falling out of each other and without starting spiritual warfare. That was one of the great contributions of Kimmy that we all know the world. How can you keep all of those millions of African people who have different perspectives on spirituality with the same principles, however, how do you keep them from falling apart? And let's go ahead and move to the third model. Again, we shared these last week, but then we had to rush through them, so I want to give them proper play this time. So we have the first model being um, 
the Haitian Revolution, the second model being Kenneth, and then here's his third model. The third model is something that Kwame Nkrumah uh, pointed out in his book, Consciousism. I have often criticized uh, Brother Nkrumah, even though I have a profound respect for his commitment and the role that he has played in African liberation. I have often criticized him, and I think my, critici my criticism of him, where I criticize him, is valid even now. And that is, when he says, seek ye first the political kingdom, and everything will be added unto you. I disagree with that. I think that seek ye first the spiritual kingdom, and everything will be added to you. But there's something that Incrumen did point out uh, in this what is called a philosophical work, consciousness, that is important. He said, let us recognize the fact that in Africa you have three strands in one place, and then another place he calls them three features, and another place he calls them three segments. Uh, traditional African culture, Islam, and Christianity. We have to recognize that African people are divided along those cultural bases. But he didn't go as far as Adam and Zua did, who took this idea and just simply made it a bold idea by calling it African's triple heritage. If you remember uh, when Adam and Zua presented his, uh, his television series on Africa, he tried to elevate this or to, to really uh, uh, assert that each one of these were authentic African traditions. But what Nkrumah pointed out is that while we recognize that the African peoples are divided among those three traditions, so to speak, that only one of them is truly authentically African, and that is the African tradition, and that in resolving those differences and creating a true African union, the African spirituality is going to have to prevail. That's something that Alan Missouri didn't really uh, point out because he has an interest in ignoring that. Uh, so if we look at those three models, I think we have something we can work with. Seek ye first the spiritual kingdom and all other things will prevail. Seek ye first the spiritual, not political, not economic, not social, all those things that come in line and are actually sort of more or less guided by that spiritual peace first. So now, so that that's the, the, the proper airing of those from last week. Now, let's move into um, some new information. Um, well, new if you haven't heard the whole lecture. Um, now, when I first heard it, like, okay, I have studied a little bit of uh, Brother Edward Wilmot Blyton, but I guess I was just reading his words and was moved by his words, but somehow I missed this little tidbit. And so Matthew Beecher, uh, Dr. Crothers, uh, lays it out and breaks it down. And and it really put him in a whole different light, in, in a good light. 
but a whole different light that um, I was first familiar with with um, Brother Blyden. Um, for anyone who knows, um, Edward Wilmot Blyden was probably the first person to come up with the concept um, that we now call the African way, but he called it the African personality, where he was trying to look at specifically um, things of the African reality that made us African. And he was one of the first people, at least that I'm aware of, that really concretely laid that out in the mid-1800s. And and his books, you know, talk about that. And even in um, my news journal, African World Analysis, I think it was the second or third issue, um, I've got the cover with him on it with some of his um, more poignant and just magnificent quotes. And, and again, that'll be up um, before the end of the year is out, African World Analysis, either number two or number three. But check out this breakdown of Mr. Blyden from um, Dr. Jetty Shamsu Jehuti, also known as Dr. Carruthers. And if we look at it in terms of the one African leader in our history who really wrestled with this problem perhaps more than any other, I think we can see a way back home. And that is Edward Wilmot Blyden. Uh, Edward Wilmot Blyden was born and raised in his early life in the Christian tradition. He became a Christian minister. He came from the Caribbean. He came to America, as it is called, the United States. Then he went to Africa. Then he went to Europe. In other words, he was truly a universal African in terms of space. He traveled around the whole African world. He, he went to Kenya. And so he had an African experience that was unusual for his day and time. But in terms of his spirituality, he started out as a Christian minister, filled with missionary zeal. When he first went to Liberia, his idea was to go over there and, uh, and convert those people to Christianity. And as he began his mission, he suddenly realized that Christianity wasn't the solution, it was the problem. And so, by the time he got into his 60s, after he was trying to fight with that for most of his life, he converted to Islam. That's something that most of us don't know. He converted to Islam. And after a few years, because he thought that Islam was more tolerant of African spirituality, of African culture, and so he converted to Islam. And uh, Liberia really lost a lot of money when he converted to Islam. Uh, because at that time he was the president of the University of the College of Liberia, and uh, all of the philanthropists withdrew their money uh, from the college. And while he was struggling with that, he had another revelation. And in his 70s, he turned to African spirituality. And he wrote that wonderful little thin volume, African Life and Customs, where he embraced African spirituality. And so he went for full circle. He went through Christianity, through Islam, 
and saying the same back home. He took that step. And therefore, his life, I think, stands as a testament to what is possible, what we can do, and where we are as we travel uh, through this desert. So let us then take a few swigs from this water in the deep well. So I'm sort of mad at myself that I didn't pick that little gem up from my earlier readings of um, Professor Bly, and I didn't look at his life trajectory enough. I was just getting into the words that he had said and stuff like that. So if y'all caught that, he started off a Christian, and 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 he had missionary zeal, and he wanted to convert all black folks to Christianity. Um but doing the studies and talking with folks and going from place to place, he saw that Christianity was actually a problem. <laughs> Not the way to go, but it was the problem getting in the way of African liberation. So then he converted to Islam, and he thought that Islam would be the way for go for black folks and to get liberation. And he ran into ideological and cultural issues there as well. And so then um, uh, Baba Shinsu then lets us know while he was around 69 or 70, he then made his reconnection to um, traditional African spirituality. And somewhere around that time is when he wrote his book, um, African Life and Customs. Um, And, and, and again, it's one of those first seminal books. He is—he was really a trailblazer in attempting to put together the African personality, which we now today call the African way. Um, and and we have you know more information now. We have folks who are trained in the system who go back and forth to the continent. So uh, we have a lot more information now, but. Looking back at the history, we can definitely see that um, uh, Professor Dr. Blyden was a trailblazer in attempting to put that together. And folks have built off his work and built off his work. You've got the Negritude movement um, by 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 those folks, um, and it had its issues with it, and but it was still you know another step. On, on understanding what is African. And so then you had the Afrocentric information explosion, if you will, that Dr. Carruthers and Dr. Clark and Dr. Ben and all those other folks that, that, that we mentioned were a part of and those who are still alive are a part of. And we're clarifying it even more and fine-tuning it even more and stuff like that. And so... Um, he was he was he was a trailblazer of his time and, and when he put stuff together and so it was just real interesting to to get that little tidbit of history um, tying in with what we're talking about as far as the need for traditional African spirituality to be used for liberation. He Edward Wilmot Blyden had to come to that idea late 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 in his life and so hopefully. Folks who are listening to Actors Reascension now are a lot younger than 70, 69 and 70. And so if you all see the meat 
in these messages that were given, um, you won't have to wait that long to transform your personal life and then your family life to a, a, a traditional African one. You can do it now. And then all that time getting up to 70, you can build on that and build on that. And then hopefully if in that time you've linked up with other folks who are doing the same thing, um, then it's about building institutions, putting together the programs, and moving forward that way. What's the grounding thing our spiritual systems? So now, speaking of our spiritual systems, when I had first put this together, I had just put it all together, and it was 17, 18 minutes long. And I was like, I can't do this to y'all. So so happily, I, I didn't get to it last week. And thinking about that, I've now broken it down into more um, bite-sizable chunks. But there's about six segments here where Dr. Carruthers walks through some principles of African spirituality. Because, again, I was listening to another show that I sort of like. They they yell and scream and argue a bit too much. But when they don't, they sort of put in some good information. But this particular time, and no, I'm not looking in the chat room right now, but I'm not going to mention the show if anybody just tried to ask. Uh, they tried to read a definition of African spirituality. And the definition that they read of African spirituality was not only from a non-practitioner of African spirituality. It, it's from someone who doesn't even speak on African spirituality at any of their lectures. They just happen to throw this definition in the book. And while it's a okay definition, it doesn't get at the heart of what African, traditional African spirituality really is. And it leaves out all these points that Dr. Crothers is about to break down. And so uh, um, I'm highlighting these so we can get an idea, so we can juxtapose against the nice, cute little one-paragraph definition that's supposed to be African spirituality and what Dr. Crothers is about to lay out as some deep, deep principles that really is. After spirituality. So now you can compare and contrast and juxtapose and all of that. So here's one main principle that you can find throughout the continent. Now, his focus was Kemet, and so he'll be using a lot of Kemetic terms. But, but, but again, from my own study and, and, and reading and then talking with people and then dealing with other folks who have done more traveling and maybe even more equal reading, they concur with all of this as well. So so don't get caught up in the comedic terms. Um, attempt to see that there is a lot more unity within Af- within the traditional African spirituality throughout the continent um, than there are differences. And that, that unity of thought and worldview on some of those deeper structural items within this, the spiritual system. As I said, the Wahimi Metsu is extremely important. We have to adopt that principle that creation isn't something that happens. Creation is a happening. It is a happening. It's here and now. It's not something that we did once or that the Lord did once. 
and it's never going to be done again. It is a habit. It is a part of the African uh, worldview. And the great principle that comes out of and that was cultivated during the Mohammed Mesu, about 2000 BC, when the Mohammed Mesu started, the great principle that was really cultivated there was Mahat. Or if you say Mahat. Mahat is the principle that is the creative force of the universe. With all of the dynamic and energetic components of reality, there is a Mahat foundation. A foundation that puts everything in its proper place and that keeps everything in balance. That is my, that is the model of human existence. My, everything, not even the creator is conceptualized as being free from mind. In one text, uh, we are told that the creator must imbibe his daughter mind and he must be surrounded by his daughter mind. In other words, he has to ingest it. It has to be inside him and it must be around him. Is really the guiding principle of the universe. So I'm really trying to um, tailor that—not uh, tailor. I'm always trying to check myself this time so I can get through <laughs> all of the information. Uh, because if I start talking, we might not get through it. Um, but this that, that that particular one where he 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 he's laying out how ma'at is the undergirding um, fabric of comedic spirituality and after spirituality that truth justice righteousness reciprocity uh, propriety order all those things I mean those seven that that we always hear repeat over and over again that's that's one thing. But all the other stuff that Ma'at imbibes as a female principle, not female in the sense of gender, but female in the sense of um, that, 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 that softer, receptive type energy, this is the governing principle um, that undergirds all the other spirituality. And the fact that it doesn't, I really like the fact how he said that even the creative forces don't operate outside of Ma'at. Now, Ma'at was never seen as a creative entity of itself, but it always stood at the time of the beginning of the creation, if there was a beginning. it could have been infinite. But Ma'at, even if it was infinite, Ma'at was always there. So the universe was always created under truth, righteousness, reciprocity. And then after entities became conscious of themselves and created themselves and created other stuff and all that sort of stuff, Ma'at was still there. And, and, and that just goes so counter to Christianity, that just goes so counter to 
um, um, some of the European creation stories that the world was, the universe was created out of chaos, and then this demiurge came and, and, and became conscious of itself and then created order out of the chaos. And, and, and it's just, and so there's no Ma'at there, there's no truth. The universe wasn't built in that two Caucasoids. The universe was created out of chaos first, and then entities had to come to bring order to it. Versus in African systems that say the universe was created based on order and truth and Ma'at first, and then the entities came as 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 the the carriers of that truth. And their creations were to be the carriers of that from the beginning. Do you see how that that that, that is just totally different from what, what this what, what this talk story Christian New Age stuff is talking about? It's just so, so deep. And I, I couldn't get more into that, but we got a lot, lot more to cover, but I definitely wanted to highlight that. Um here's another um, principle within that would help explain African spirituality. Another principle of African spirituality is unicity. The unity of everything in the universe. Sister Latrella in her uh, invocation this morning uh, talked about the worms, talked about the birds, and talked about the plants. Everything is a member of the family of existence. Everything is divine. There is no alienation between the creator and the creation. Everything in the creation is divine. That is a principle of African spirituality that must be submitted to. Everything. Once you are able to understand what that means, then the problem of Mott on Earth, the problem of Mott in humanity, uh, becomes very simple. That you do not violate anything in the universe. You approach everything in the universe as a personality. You approach the bug as a personality. You approach the tree as a personality. You approach the wind as a personality. Just think, if the world practiced that, there would be no small. There would be no ozone hole up there. There would be no situation where you can't do anything. You know, think about it like that. There are a few things that everybody will agree or enjoy, like eating and having sex. Universal, from the standpoint of just a bottom line, so to speak. And now you can't do either one of those things without fearing that you're going to die. They are both essential to life, but you can't do either one of them without fearing that you're and so what we have to do is to understand the familyhood, the Ujamaa, that is in the universe. That is Africa. 
We have to get back to Now, this one, unicity and how all things are divine. First, let me, let, me start with, let me start with this. Again, that is another glaring difference within almost every traditional African spiritual system I have studied and come across versus Christianity. It's every non-African system that's out there. In Eastern thought and in the Western crap, there is this conflict whether the flesh is bad or the body is bad or you're born in sin, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, because the, if, if you're dealing with a lot of the Eastern stuff, and, and I had, and sort of have, I still deal with a little bit, um, they have this big issue with the mind and, and their anti-culture and the mind is always bad and playing tricks on you, and you need to get beyond the mind. You need to get beyond culture. And we know Christianity, the flesh is bad and ran by Satan, and you were born in sin. So right when you came out of your mama's womb, you were born in sin. So now that's those two streams of thought. When you get to Africa and their traditional systems, Kemet, um, um, the Dogon, um, I want to say the system of Ifa, um, the Gulen Masaba people, the Dagara people. I, I, I'm sure if I really sat and thought about it, I could think of some other ones. All those systems I just mentioned and some other ones start from the premise that you are divine from birth. And you have a special message and a gift from birth that you are to bring to the human community, and it's up to that human community, i.e. your family and their larger network of people, to help you bring out that gift that you brought from the spirit world down to the human world. Again, two totally different frames of reference for beginnings. Y'all, that's not a let's blacken up every person in the Bible and make it ours type of argument. That's not a let's wrap the Bible in kente cloth and make it ours argument. That is a fundamental worldview difference type of argument. Born divine versus born in sin. You can't reconcile that by getting some crayons and coloring everybody black. You can't reconcile that by stamping Jay and Yame and, 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 and Mate Massier and Dinkra symbols in the damn Christian Bible. You, can, you can't reconcile a, a, a nice amount of traditional African spiritual systems teach their people that when you are born, you are born divine. You are born divine because you came from the creator and you have gifts that we need here on this physical realm. So we're going to set up things as best as we can for you so you can bring those those spirit-given gifts to us in this area and help you thrive and be the best you can be. You can't reconcile that with some crayons and some and some stencils. 
And if you try to use a whole bunch of energy to reinterpret stuff to make it sound like they're saying everybody's divine from a biblical perspective, why waste all that energy when you just come home spiritually and don't have to go through all those mental hoops and jumping jacks and stuff? Just come back home spiritually so you can be divine as the creators made you divine and then move from that versus trying to figure out how to transform I'm born in sin to uh, I'm a divine creature. Leave it alone and come home spiritually. You see, here we try to get at those deeper fundamental principle differences and make them clear so you can see them, and hopefully it will be clear for you to leave and come back home, leave the other stuff and come back home spiritually. The second piece I want to quickly, <laughs> I see the term on it now, say about this one is that this one sort of trips people up. Well, come on, if everything is divine and everyone is divine, then that means Hawkins are divine too, right? So we got to treat them. Yeah. Here's what I have to say about that. At different times within comedic history, it seemed like that tripped them up too. However, at the times where it seemed to trip them up the most, they got ran up there. Because Kemet had three intermediate periods where foreigners came in and took over and took control. Now, one interesting piece, I think this was in the um, – second or the third reascension of Kemet. And um, Ronald Neframan's, um real thin book called um, Afrocentric Spiritual Union or Intro to Afrocentric Spiritual Union, something like that, um, he made a, a, a point that I, I need to dig around and see if somebody else makes this point. I thought it was real interesting. He made the point that um, um Nefertari, I think, when they were going through one of their intermediate periods and foreigners were running the land of Kemet, it was her who went to different communities and got them, and and she specifically reinvigorated their culture. This is what Ro Nefermont says. She went around to the different gnomes, and 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 got the the people in the society to reawaken who they were within themselves, and it was from that that they were able to then get the foreigners back out. And I just see it as interesting that we're still sort of getting confused on that one point today. But when Kemet got confused on it, what did they use to get out of that confusion? They went back to their culture. They went back to who they were. They went back to an understanding of that. And when they went back to an understanding of that, they they were then able to galvanize their forces and push the invaders out. And we need to look at that model 
again and say when we're confused, when we don't know which way to go, how to go, what to do, look back at the culture and, and reuse that as the, as the um, building blocks to getting you where you need to go. Not using other people's culture. Not getting caught up in the foreign ideas that help give us the confusion in the first place. But come back to who you are. And once you do that, you get success. And if you've been listening to Africa's Reascension, again, I, I can talk all day, but I try to give you the, 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 the resources and the references. You can go check it out yourself. And a common theme over and over again for this year and some change we've been doing this and different references and resources I've been given is we get maximal confusion when we operate outside of our Africanness. And we get maximal cohesion when we operate inside of our Africanness. And that historical message is being repeated over and over and over again, different parts and different times. At some point, a critical mass of us need to get that message right now, today, and move forward with it and act upon it in deeper ways. So are Caucasoids divine by their definitions of reality? No, they are not. That, that, that's not come out saying anything mean. That's saying when you look at how they say the universe was created, when you look at how they say humans were created, when you look at their stuff, they don't say everybody's divine. They don't say they are divine. They have a God complex now and think they can do whatever they want to do and run the world however they want to run it into the ground, all that sort of stuff. But as far as their creational archetype, no. They won't tell you that they are divine by nature. Um, some of these new age folks may try to say it, but they're not in the majority, so yeah. Should we see them? as divine, since our dictates say that, I would say their history and their actions would have to be the guide. You may find some individual Caucasoids who you can treat fairly and admirably. You, you, you may find that. And so go ahead and do that. But to attempt to misuse this this, this spiritual wisdom in light of all of the history that says something other than that, I would say the history would help unconfuse that point for some people. You can deal with individuals, see where they go on on certain levels. I still say that even if certain individuals, that other individual Caucasoids seem like they're different, if you just ask certain questions, you know how to ask certain questions in certain areas, their their typical Caucasoidness will come out in the end. Um, you just have to be skilled at asking questions and asking them in a certain way to get it to come out. Um, but me personally, I don't get tripped up on that. I When he talks about unicity, I try to look at it more as he's talking about everything as far as and I'm getting a bit ahead because he'll mention this later, but looking at trees as a personality, looking at the wind, the rocks, 
um, leads, looking at entities as personalities versus just things here on the planet that we can use willy-nilly however we humans want to use them. Um, Africa had never been that way until, you know, stupidity came and Arabs and Caucasoids came. Um, but that's that's more where I think he's going with this unicity piece. And I'm spending this time on this so folks don't get caught up. And he'll clarify himself later on. But I know folks love to soundbite stuff and 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 just take that one little piece and be like, oh, I can go off and do whatever I want to and sleep with whoever I want to, and I don't need to deal with the black liberation piece because this scholar that he talks about in high regard just said everything and everybody is connected and divine, so white folks are divine. No. Continue listening, and he clarifies that point. Do not sound bite to death, come out the case of Tahuti <laughs> or Dr. Jacob Carruthers. Let's continue with another principle of African spirituality. We also have to understand that eternity, even though it is opaque in terms of our ability to comprehend it, uh, you know, for example, every time you think about eternity, the only way you can attempt to define define it, unless you have some exceptional insight that I don't have, uh, you have to define it in terms of its opposite, and that's time. Because when you think of eternity, you say without time. But even though it's difficult to conceptualize, it's difficult to conceive in terms of how it operates, we have to realize that this is eternal, that this universe is eternal, and that nothing was either created Nothing in, in, in the normal sense of creation, and nothing is destroyed. That everything continues forever and ever and ever. Everything always has been, is now, and always will be. And that it is truly universal, everywhere. One of the formulas in the uh, in the in the iconography of Timothy, where the uh, deceased person is receiving the breath of life and receiving the gift of God, uh, one of them is Mirajet, which most people translate out as like the sun forever. But if you, and I don't want to get too technical here, but if you look at the word jet, uh, you can interpret it not only as forever, but also as everywhere. Like the sun everywhere. The sun is everywhere in our universe, and so we have to look at it like that. It is. And the other principle that we have to emphasize within that unicity is the idea of eminence. That everybody and everything is divine. It is at hand. You don't have to go through the eye of a needle. You don't have to have the confession of original sin in order to enter the kingdom. It's at hand. It's right here. All you have to do is cultivate what the Creator has placed. Cultivate it. Ain't about going through no eye, no needle. Ain't nothing about doing no confessions. <laughs> you are divine from birth. You cultivate that divinity. You do what what you know to be right and what 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 you know what 
and, and, and go from there. I mean, I really fight myself because these, these particular principles, I could go into them for a while because we, I feel we need a lot of clarification on this because folks, again, talk about universal religion and this being universal and that being universal. But just that one point there throws out the universal argument because folks, again, and I've said this before, folks talk about universal stuff but never mention African thought. And when they do attempt to mention African thought, they do it sort of um, out the side of their neck because they only are mentioning Kemet, which they will call Egypt, and then they only usually are mentioning Egypt with their with the, from this white perspective. And, and white interpretations of Kemet. So you're still not really getting real comedic thought um, because it's going through a different type of lens, so you're still not dealing with Africa. But folks throw out this universal term. And I just put it in the chat room. As I said at the last, before the last clip, the mind is seen as the bad thing in most of the Eastern systems that I've come across, from the Yijing and the Tao and, 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 and Zen, Zen thought um, heavy in Buddhism and Hinduism, the mind is the enemy and the mind is bad and, and the, 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 some of them call it the monkey mind and all this sort of stuff. The creator gave you that mind. Odumakuman gave you that mind. You're supposed to use it for your benefit while you're here on the physical plane. So that's the East. Then you got the West, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, um, this Hebrew stuff. The flesh is bad, and, and and you were born in original sin and all that sort of craziness. Again, in Yame and in Yame Wah gave you that body. You are a spirit in human form. So the creator forces gave you that body, so it's not inherently bad. Only Africa and, and, and maybe even the, the, the quote-unquote Native American systems, um, are the only ones who who I feel rightly understand that the mind, the body are are okay. They're good things. They were given to you by your creative forces, and you are supposed to use those things in balance and in um, congruency with the spirit to be a better African human on the planet. But this this disconnecting you from your body, disconnecting you from the flesh, disconnect, alienating. Let me use his word because if you get Medunetra Divine Speech by Baba Jacob Carruthers, this is a magnificent book. He has a section in there dealing with alienation and how the um, Christianity specifically, but its origins that start with the Greeks and the Romans in them, they were alienated from their creator. And that alienation comes through their creation stories, and it comes through in their life, their everyday life, that alienation piece. We did not start with from an alienated piece with our creator. All our systems said we're divine. We're co-creators with the creator. We are spirits having a human experience. All that wisdom comes from Africa. And so that's completely juxtaposed against the East and the West. So how are you going to talk to me about universal stuff 
and you miss African thought completely. Probably the, the, the second largest continent on top earth, as Kimmy called it, or the earth, you're going to say you're talking something universal and you leave out the thought of Africa? The hell are you talking about? And this whole flesh bit, yeah, so he he, he really hits hits a good point home when he does that. Um, I see the time rolling down. We're sort of kind of finished, but not yet. So right now he's going to – so anyone that – we got 15 minutes. Anybody wants to continue live, 760-454-1111, 760-454-1111. In 15 minutes, if you're listening in the chat on your computer, it will drop out. The only way you'll be able to continue this live is to call in uh, with the number on your phone or whatever calling device that you have and you can continue to be part of this live. We will go ahead and use the full three hours because we will get through all of this tonight. Uh, so 760-454-1111. Next, um, he's going to just, like, go through a few more um, of these principles. And, again, I hope you, maybe you're taking notes or you're listening real well. Again, I want you to juxtapose how, what Bob Curtis is laying out as far as some of these principles of active spirituality against what other New Age type folks are saying with their real reductionist type of definitions on African spirituality. There's some deep, deep points that he's laying out here that gets missed with these other folks and their bootleg definitions on our stuff. Some of the selected features are and keep us grounded. The idea of Amun. Amun, the hidden one. That keeps us grounded. When we realize, I don't care how spiritual you are, how much you've studied, how devoted you seem to be, how much a master of the ritual you are, that you don't know everything. And you ain't going to know that there is a profound mystery to existence. That there are a lot of things you can know. The things you can know will lead you to the good life. But what you have to understand is that nobody will ever completely solve all of the mysteries of the universe. However arrogant science may become, we have to accept that. Accept the humility that is involved in that. And we also have to recognize that existence is a gift. We have to accept existence as a gift. We have to accept the, 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 the proclamation that you find in the iconography and chemistry that I, the creator, I have given all life, all power, and all health. Accept that the creator has given that. The special gift that the Creator has given is Madhu Nature, that is, the divine speech. That is the thing that makes human beings unique, is the divine speech, of the, the, what some people call the Word of God. And we express that through the cultivation of Madhu Nefer. Madhu Nefer means good speech. That you are on the track 
code obeying God when you are consciously pursuing good speech because speech is the mode of human interaction. Speech, you can, you can, you can make human beings do things a lot of ways, but the human way is through speech. When you can speak with such authority that the person spoken to will sense it, that is, will listen, that is, will obey it because it's right, then you, you are ready, you're on the path of the way of life and the commitment of the foot. And the Creator has given us some special equipment to do our human project. Did we have a project? When you come into the world, when you are born, when you come from your mother's womb, you are an officer. You are an officer. That is your appointment to office, and you have to treat that light, what you call light, that period between the time you come out of the womb and the time you pop into the ground. You have to treat that as an office, a space and an opportunity for you to perform a service. That's what, that's what the, human, the human project is, is to perform a service, because the Creator is performing a service by giving us life, power, and health. And we <laughs> must follow that model and, uh, and uh, get ourselves together. So we have some special equipment. We have a chest that is a body. We have a bar that is a personality. And we must make certain that our personality is not phony. You know, like you say, so-and-so is phony. In other words, their personality, the personality that they put forth is different from who they really are. And you know that. You know, you know that. You know who's phony and who is phony. So you have to make certain that your body is consistent with you. Uh, and then, of course, you have the eternal life force that is given to you as you come into this life. That's called the cop. Uh, and then you have the E, the heart which is the center of judgment, the center of knowledge, your ease, that part of you uh, that is really responsible. And so you have that equipment, and you, in addition to that, you also have some other special equipment, uh, even though it may be a little submerged. You have your seal, which is exceptional perception. That is, when you cultivate what is in you as the divine essence of you, when you cultivate it, you can see clearly. You can see things that you couldn't ordinarily see. You have clarity. You can understand things that seem to dumbfound most people. You also have who, and that is articulation, the ability to express your thoughts with clarity so that everybody can understand you and understand that what you are saying is correct and therefore you don't have any problem with obedience. And you also have Haycock, what some people call magic, but it's just extraordinary power to accomplish what the mind and the tongue command. When you have a clear mind, a clear term, you can do things, you can move mountains, you can do things that, that, that you didn't think were possible. You can accomplish things. One of the things that you find in the book of the voice is truth. Um, this, this statement by the Creator, I did four good deeds 
at the gate of the horizon. That is, at the beginning of what you call time, I did for the deal. I made the four winds that everybody might breathe their hearts. That is one deal. I made the great inundation, the great flood, that the poor might have rights like the great. That is one deed. I made everybody like their fellows. I did not command that they do evil. It was in their hearts through which they violated what I said. That was one of the deeds. I made their hearts to cease from forgetting the West, and that is the land of eternity, in order that divine offerings might be given to the gods of the localities. And that is one of the deeds. In other words, we have a gift from the Creator. We have been given an office to work in, to serve in, so that we might do what the Creator commands. There was so much in there. I can't. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna try to fully break it down. He went through um six minutes left. Um again for folks who want to continue this live, call in, listen on your phone or whatever device you have. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. The show will go off on the computer on the live stream in six minutes, and then you either have to get it on the archive or call in seven six zero four five four one 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 and continue. We will go um, into overtime for this show. Um, Kemet, Golimasaba people. The Yoruba people, the Akan people, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, have breakdowns of what what makes up the human being. Over here in the West, we're basically taught Freud that the human being is made of the id, the ego, and the superego. They're always in conflict with each other, and they're always trying to fuck with you, basically. The id, the ego, and the superego have nothing to do with spirit. No linkages, no connections, nothing coming from a divine source, nothing. It's all mental stuff in your head. All those other African systems that I mentioned um, have stuff that, that, that links on different levels to the spirit world. Um, and and within what Baba, Baba um, Carruthers was breaking down, he was breaking down with from Kemet. So he was talking about the Kabit, the Ka, the Ba, the Ib, or the Ab, um, and then those things. And so I, I, I'm not going to get all into that now. That's not what this show is about. We can do... A, a more detailed show walking through some of the African understandings of what makes up a human being and compare that with 
the European version of this id, ego, or superego crap. But what I will say just briefly is that the African systems that I mentioned, all of them that I mentioned, and, and again, I'm sure there are other ones if they've thought this deeply and broke it down, they all say that the human being has some linkage or connection to the spirit world. Um, and I didn't have all this prepared, so that's why I'm not going to fully get into it. But within again, within the Akan system, um, there's like seven different things when you put them together make up the human being. Um, the Moja, the Entoro, um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, with the system of Ifa, they have it too. But some of those. Some of those seven, everyone does have seven, but and some of those seven breakdowns of what it is to be a human, some of them have direct linkages back to the spirit world. Some are your personality. Some are your physical body. Some also are dealing with what they call your destiny. Yeah, your encrabia for, for um, the Akan system. So you come here with a particular destiny. You come here with a purpose. And, again, it's up to the family that you're born into and the people who they hang around and who they're affiliated with and all that sort of stuff. As a community, that's supposed to help um, help you understand what that destiny and that message is and how that and how they can help bring it out of you and make it the best for you, as well as how that destiny ties in with the larger communal role as well. And so, again, that's just another great contrast with African reality, African spirituality, and this Caucasoid reality that we're been brought up in and and the Caucasoid religions that, that, that we have. A big, huge contrast. You're born with a destiny. You're born with elements in you that directly connect you to spirit versus um, just some mental stuff id, ego, super ego, no connection with spirit, and and that you're tabula rasa. Once you come down here, you're nothing. You're a clean slate to be filled in with a whole bunch of crap. Two totally different definitions of reality, y'all. And he's laying it out, and I've laid it out in other shows. So um, we got a minute left. So I will play that the initial close for those who are listening on the computer. Um, this was a lively chat room, and a lot of good information was put in the chat. So I want to thank everybody. Um, again, seven six zero four five four one 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 one. I should have a show. I, I, I will have a show next. Oh, he's going to. So yes, we're going to go play the close. And um, for those that don't follow, um, check us out. Make sure to download the archive. We will finish this up. Next week I'm thinking about talking about black atheism. Take that head on. I'm not 100% sure on that yet, uh, but that's what I'm leaning towards right now. Madasi for all the support. It was a good lively chat room, and all those who will um, download the archives, we will come back after the break. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation.
European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. All right, so we are back. Um, thanks to everyone who came on over. And let's go ahead and continue. We got one more hour left. Let's get all this in. Do Baba Karebis, Baba Jedi Shinsu Jehudi right. Uh, again, there's so much more I could say about what he was breaking down in that. Um, just listen to it again and, um, you know, pause it. What I do sometimes with these lectures is I've got pen and pad in hand. And if I've got a question, I may write it down. Hopefully they'll address it later on in the lecture. You know, if not, then I'll go to my book, see how they do it. I mean, you know, everybody deals with the, 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 the video lectures and stuff differently, I'm sure, but that's just one way that I do it. Um, uh, with, with some of the actual comedic terms, if, if you're not familiar with those, shoot me an email. Um Kamau three oh one K A M A U three zero one and I can um share with you his his um his seven dimensions of what makes the human being from the comedic understanding. A few other folks have mentioned it too. I I, I know it's in um Kobe Cambon's big red book, African Black Psychology. Um and I've seen uh, uh, Akbar, one of his older books, um, break down the list of seven as well, seven areas. Uh, again, the Kabit, the Ba, the Ka, uh, the Ab, or the Ib, and, and a few other areas I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But, um, so yeah, just shoot me an email, and I'll send you those references. So now, in the last part of these, principles, um, here's a, a, a key one that um, more of us really need to do. We got a lot of, a lot of folks talking, but, I, but not a lot, a lot of folks building and doing. And he's about to break down comedic wisdom on the need to um, speak and do. And what the man First of all, to center, that is to listen, to obey, to understand the gift of God, and to understand the command of God. And that command, in brief formula, is Jed Mat Il Mat. Jed is speak, and Il is do. That is not sufficient. To talk about it. I mean, that's what we're doing now. Is talking about it. But you got to do it. That if you talk about it and you haven't done it, then you are not speaking good. Excuse my ground. You're not speaking good because it doesn't represent my. It doesn't represent the truth. You know, I don't care how articulately you express something. If it doesn't represent what you did, it's a lie. 
And so you have to obey that command. And then you have to imitate. Imitate what the creation presents you with. That's the memorial that you see in the Nile Valley. When we go to the Nile Valley and we go from, from Memphis to Gaza to, uh, to Giza to uh, Luxor and to Abu Simbel, when we go there, what we see is the human celebration of the creation. The pyramids, the obelisks, the tombs, the temples, the iconography, all of those, and the writings, all of those are attempts to repeat what the Creator has done as much as is humanly possible. Um, therefore, we are commanded to give life and power and health. Obey the good laws. And that means obeying the good laws. What are the good laws? Uh, you, 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 you say, well, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're spiritual, you're supposed to be in another realm. But this kind of spirituality, while it does not uh, prevent you from entering another realm, it does not depreciate your association with that higher realm, it commands you to do stuff right here on earth. And that's what is important for us, is to get to work down here on earth. This is where our big job is, right here on earth. It means that you have to help people. You have to give life. You have to give food to those who are hungry, clothes, and transportation to those who don't have it. You have to give a, a lift, an uplift, a, help, a helping hand to somebody who's stumbled and fallen. And more importantly, you have to teach and educate those who are ignorant, those fools. You have to educate them. You have to get their attention. You have to open their eyes. Those who are blind, you have to open their eyes. Uh, you have to show them what the world is really like. And then finally, you have to give them speech. You have to enable those who are speech impaired, in the, in the general sense of speech impairment, those who cannot articulate uh, this connection with the divine. You have to teach them good speech so that they can begin to walk on the right way. Speak my arts and do my arts. Speak in truth and do truth. Speak righteousness. Do righteousness, and that's where he he mentioned again this notion that flies counter in the face of some of these other systems that got a hold of us right now. As far as if if you're living a quote unquote spiritual life, then you have no connection to the physical world. That that is some new stuff on the planet, but that's not how Africans lived or live as far as within the traditional realm. You had the priests and, and and I'm blanking on the comedic word for it right now, but you had the priests who was out there farming. You you, you had the sages who were out there helping build buildings and stuff. You you the 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 sages and the priests and the seshes and all that weren't just off on their own, contemplating their navel, trying to reach Sadmadha by sitting under a tree and while the whole society is falling apart around them and they're 
family life is crumbling around them. They're trying to find nirvana. No. And 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 maybe that's cool for these other systems. I don't want to go there with it. But for African folks, stolen Africans in the diaspora or disrupted Africans in the continent, we have traditions. We have spiritual traditions. They give us a mandate that the the, 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 the spiritual peace is embedded within everything that we do, so much so that it's it's not even separate. That most Africa doesn't have this um, spiritual, secular divide that's over here in the West and in parts of the East. We, we don't even have that. It's so, the spirit stuff is so intertwined with everything else that that some of the things that we over here have to get back to on some level don't even make sense to some of the folks on the continent who are still doing the traditional stuff because it's so woven within everything that they do. I remember watching this this great story, this um, elder was telling this story about um, the British was coming in and they wanted to cut down this big, huge tree so they could build a road. And all of their equipment, all of their devices, nothing could cut down this tree. I mean, they had top-of-the-line equipment and all these saws and cranes, and they couldn't pull it up, they couldn't saw into it, they couldn't do nothing. They were figuring out there. And so they heard when they they heard rumors about um, the, a, a little uh, uh, some spiritual stuff that you had to do to talk to the tree and 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 they were at their wits end and so they finally got a hold of one of the um, higher type priests of of the wisdom and talked to him um, and asked him um, could you do something so we could go ahead and remove this tree. And so he asked for an offering, and he asked for some stuff from the Carcassonne, and they gave it to him. And he did, he did like a maybe 10-minute ritual, talked to the spirit of the tree, and, and then I think he was just like, and this was supposed to be a huge tree, one of those boabob trees, if I'm pronouncing that right, one of those big, huge, deeply rooted trees. So he does this ritual. And then I think he just, like, lightly pushed on the tree or something, and, and the whole thing came tumbling down. And it just blew the minds of all these cultures there. Now, of course, if I'd been the priest, I'd have been like, no, I ain't doing this. Forget you. Get out my way. You know, but whatever the circumstances were, um, the priest did the ritual, and, and they were able to get this tree out of the way. Now, again, some folks would just dismiss that as a cute little story of fancy and not really true, but I've heard similar stuff like that over and over again from different people and about different parts and from different parts of the continent. So either all these different people have talked to each other and have been dispersed throughout America to tell these fanciful tales about Africa or something under the surface is more true than we're willing to give credit to. I'm, based on, is me sharing this, I'm going to go with B. 
Because, again, these folks that I've heard these different stories, they don't know each other. And I've been East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, and I'm hearing the same thing all over the place from these different people in stories like this about different parts of Africa. I know folks Southeast, Central, West Africa, and similar stories to this, dealing with the spirit of an entity having a relationship, understanding the spirit of the entity. In this example, it was a big, huge, old, old tree. They did. They couldn't cut it down with all their technology, all their equipment. A supposedly illiterate, supposedly illiterate, know-nothing priest comes out, does a ritual, gives the offering, speaks to the spirit of the tree, and then the tree comes up very easily. There's some deep stuff in there, y'all. We are the oldest people on the planet. We have had the first relationship with spirit, with the earth's spirit forces. We understand the spirit world and the spirit realm better than every other group on the planet. The group that's in charge right now totally dismisses the spirit world and spirit realm because they have no control and no power over it. And we relinquish our power and knowledge of the spirit world when we dismiss it just like Caucasus. We relinquish our power when we dismiss the spirit world just like Caucasus. Here at Africa's Reascension, we're giving you all the information, all the tools we can think of to get you to use that power for your own personal benefit and then our collective benefit. So now briefly, he's going to, Dr. Crothers is going to go through some ideal conditions and the ideal typology. Now, again, you know, this is, every culture always has their ideals that which you should be striving towards, and it's not get all the money. He who dies with the most toys wins, and money, power, respect, and cash is everything. No, these are deeper ideal principles that us Africans, they come from us. We should um, attempt to look at those and maybe re-put these ideals at the top of what we want to be and want to be going to versus I don't care what happens now, I'm just focused on the by and by. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You must understand that what you have to do is to respect the ancestral tradition. We have to put our ancestral tradition together because the people who have been at war against us have tried to break our connection with our ancestors. They have tried to debate our ancestors and accuse our ancestors of paganism, savagery, uh, and ignorance. And therefore, we go around ashamed of our ancestors. But what we have to understand is that however much our ancestors might have uh, not seen everything clearly, they were trying as best they could to get out of this mess and to leave a better world for us than they found. And we have to you know, continue that tradition. We have to practice those rituals and show respect for those rituals. We have to realize that life for us 
is a series of development stages. And every one of those stages we have to celebrate. We have to come to the temple as a community in order to revitalize ourselves, in order to renew that mock that is within us all. Um, we have a, an idea of what that means in terms of walking around this earth and, and intent whose name means something like the gift, the son of the sinner, the son of the sister, who said, I am silent with the angry, patient with the ignorant, so as to quell strife. I am cool. And that, that's one of my favorite apostles. Uh, it's cool. Uh, that's what we used to say when we were kids. How you doing, man? I'm cool. But that is, you have to be cool. You have to be free of hate. Knowing the outcome. Expecting what comes. I'm a speaker in situations of strife. I'm friendly when I hear my name to those who would tell me their concerns. I'm controlled, kind, friendly, one who claims, who calls the weaker with good words. I'm bright-faced, open-handed, an owner of food who does not cover my face. I'm a friend to the poor, one well-disposed to the have-not. I'm one who feeds the hungry and need, who is open-handed to those without I am a source of knowledge for those who lack knowledge. I'm one who teaches a person what is useful. And I'm a listener who listens to mine and who ponders it in my heart. I'm kindly and not hot-tempered. One does not attack a person for a remark. I'm accurate like the scale, straight and true like Jehudi, Jehudi, the founder of wisdom and speech. I'm a knower who teaches myself knowledge. And I'm a speaker in the hall of knowledge, skilled in speech in trying situations. That is one glimpse at an ideal spiritual aspect. That's the way we have to start thinking about ourselves as an office worker. Someone who is appointed on this earth to serve. And we have to define what that means. But what it does mean is given life power and help as much as is within our power. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of folks talk about around through Kenneth, but next to right on there for a mind, Baba, Baba Carruthers is the only person that I've come across who is actually dealing with Kemet, making, attempting to make it useful for today. And what he just went through, uh, as again, as I labeled it, the what the ideal 
African spiritual person would look like or be aspiring towards, um, you know, being cool at all times, uh, giving life, power, and health to all who need it, and, and, and so much more that he said in there. Again, from from going through, by being able to read the Matutu, the Metunetter, um, by gathering all of the pyramid texts, coffin texts, the Pert M. Heru, um, the coming forth by day and by night, which um, Budge wrongly calls the Book of the Dead, and which others are wrongly calling the Comedic Bible. If you really look at that book, it is not the damn Christian Bible. Stop it! That that calling the Pert M. Heru the the Comedic version of the Christian Bible is stupider, insanely stupider than calling Heru the exact equivalent of Jesus. I can almost see how you could make that 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 latter um, misunderstanding, and it would just take a little bit more information to get you to see that okay, that's that's just hey, Rue is not Jesus. I got it. That that will take a little bit of information, but you just have to completely misread or not read the Pert M. Hey, Rue to walk away from that saying that that is the equivalent of the Bible, this this King James crap. You just, you didn't, if anybody in your face tells you that, know that they have not read that damn book. Just, just know they haven't read it. Yeah, they can point out that stuff was stolen and, and, and it's now in the Bible. But, again, they had to reduce the 47 um, admonitions to Ra to 10. So you would still need to look at those other 37. The whole, I mean, we could go through, I ain't going to go point by point, but <laughs> it is not. And, and again, by just listening to some of the stuff that he broke down, some of those um, statements are, are, are held within the Pert M. Heru, the book is coming forth by day, and some of them are in other places as well. Um, We can read our own documents to get um, spiritual sanity and clarity. And we, the, the documents that we do have, uh, we don't even read them and use them properly. And then when we do read them and use them properly, we keep them too mystical and ethereal and, and really don't make it have a connection with present day. And and in part one, you know, Dr. Crothers just told you flat out, we have to be more about a clarification of traditional African spirituality and move it away from the more mystical side. He's not saying don't have your secrets. He's not saying that's okay because we all know that the wrong information in the wrong hands is a bad thing. But we need to bring down 
we need to turn the dial down on on the over mystification to make yourself seem all deep and somebody that we need to listen to and follow um, uncritically. That's what that's what folks do. They get a hold of something and they deliberately mystify it and make it all seem woo woo woo. And then they become the only decoder of it. And then they become the MF that you're supposed to follow and give all your money to and all that stuff. No. Dr. Carruthers is warning you in that. He was warning you in that in part one, and he is that it here. No. Turn down the, myth, the mystification of it. Make it more applicable. Figure out a way to make it applicable to whatever you're going through right now. And, and and see how they came out of it. Because another thing, if you really read the Pert M. Hayes everything in there wants you to succeed. You're supposed to, you are supposed to complete your mission. It, 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 it sort of ends, if you can say ends, um, on, on, on fulfilled notes, on happy notes. Um I'm, 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 again, I'm having a bad find the word night <laughs> right now. Um, but but the the, the within the per M Heyru, it is the stories within it end on good notes versus all the craziness that's happening in in that Christian Bible. Um, don't let nobody tell y'all that those are equivalent books, please. Stuff was stolen out of it, yes. Stuff that was stolen was misunderstood and fragmented, and so it wasn't a complete one-for-one, meaning-for-meaning theft. It was not that. Um, I could go on, but I really want to get through this, so I told myself I wasn't going to go too much off. So what again did he say? Respect for the ancestors. That's something else that's totally devoid of any talk within Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. They, they're trying to figure out ways to deal with it within certain factions of Catholicism where African people are. Um, some folks on the continent, they've even had what they call independent church movements where it's a synchronization of some fraction of Christianity with their with certain aspects of the traditional system. Um, some of them do include the ancestors, stuff like that. Some of them don't. But again, the constant is trying to go through so many um, machinations of, of synchronization and fusion when the real answer is to jettison that shit and come home spiritually. If other folks who come into your land want to do that, fine. But the fusion stuff hasn't worked. A lot of folks try to say that um, Africa is real good at um, doing the and or thing, doing the doing the and thing versus the either or thing. I again, I look at history with this particular piece and them trying to fuse Judaism, Christianity, Islam, some of these other systems that are coming in, trying to fuse those with their African systems, 
in the end, it reduces the profundity of the African system. It probably pisses off the 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 the, the deities and the higher spirits within the African systems that they're doing it. Uh, and we see that Africa has had no peace in doing it. All throughout the continent, you've got rampant violence, rampant um, poverty, rampant hunger, all this sort of stuff. And a lot of that is just, you know, stupidity within the government and, and the scaries and, and everyone being wedded to Western money and all that sort of stuff and Western ideas. But it also has to do with reducing the profundity of your spiritual message, what the creator gave to you and gave to you first as human beings. But but reducing deliberate purposefully reducing the message of spirit that the creative forces gave to you to cow tow to some foreigners coming in to make the foreigners feel okay. If that's not going to piss some entities off, ain't nothing else will. And and, and, and I could go on. And then, so respect our ancestors, respect and revive our rituals. Um, And he's using comedic wisdom to make it applicable for present day. Those were some key things that I took out of that section right there. Now this, he, you know, he, he with this clip, Baba Jehusi is about to give two major warnings, two major things to look out for. Um, and it'll be nice if we heeded these warnings. Um, it'll be very, very nice if we heeded these warnings. Um, but I don't know. We're heeding them here, <laughs> but um, getting other folks to heed them, major warning. So let me wind down here with a little glass. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, there are a lot of, uh, in this kind of, outbreak of movement towards African spirituality, sometimes we get a little carried away. And we, uh, we, we, we sort of, in my opinion, get things out of balance. Let us not think of African spirituality as a romance between you and the Almighty. Think about it. That is, that nobody else is talking to God but me. And me and God are tight. And God tells speaks to me every morning to tell you what you ought to be doing. We got to get out of that. We got to get out of that. The divine is open to everybody. It is open to everybody. And we are all traveling in that direction in our own time and place. And we have to respect it. 
We can teach, we can suggest, and we can urge. But let us not believe that we are having a romance, a little individual, head-to-head with God. And let us also remember this, that while there's a place for secrets, and you don't blare about everything uh, that is on your mind, like um, when I first got to Chicago, and the young pastor used to make public announcements every day about what they were going to do. And I would say, hey, brother, don't tell the man what you're going to do. We're going to be on Madison and State <laughs> at 4 p.m. with our revolutionary proposal. And they weren't able to gather at Madison State. The man was there. You know what I mean? Kept from meeting. There is a place for the secrets. But our major job at this point and under these conditions and in this mess we are in is clarification and not misinformation. What we need to do is to clarify spirituality for African people rather than misinformation. To make it to make it known that it's available to everybody, every African has this spiritual right available. All you have to do is commit yourself to, to start looking at your life as an altar, to start looking at the gift of God and the command of God, and that is life, power, and health. I say the occult has its place, but it must not promote tyranny, exclusiveness, uh, and the idea of superiority and the idea that we are doing it better than you are. What we say in the Temple of the African Community of Chicago is that we are attempting to restore an authentic form of African spirituality. We don't have all the answers. And we respect the way other African people approach the restoration of African spirituality. And we appreciate it because it's going to take all of us going in those various, uh, along those various paths, as long as we keep the objective uh, in view. So his two major warnings, and I sort of got ahead of myself because uh, one of them was the clarification versus mystification. That's what he was talking about. Um, and that was tied with speaking versus knowing when not to speak. But then the other one was the divine talking to me alone versus divine is open to all Africans. And so if you caught that, he he, he caught himself because he kept saying everybody, everybody, everybody. So he had to say it's open to us Africans. Because, again, it's our worldview system that he's talking about. We're not doing a universal thing here. We're not trying to say that this is for everyone and it has to be this way for Chinese and, and, and white folks and, and Arabs and all that sort of stuff. This is where specifically talk about African people. Stolen, diasporic, or 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 disrupted at home, Africans. And so Christianity 
and Islam and this Hebrew stuff is rampant with the creator is just talking to me. And, again, you need to follow me and listen to me because I'm the only one that he, can only be a he, is talking to. So listen to me and follow me and give me all your money. Versus the African system that says that the divinity is open to all African people. You just got to tap into it, understand that, relearn what it is, and make it applicable in your life. Two totally different systems. That's why, again, I don't get caught up in a lot of the interpretation debates of the Bible. I don't get caught up in a lot of that sort of stuff. I get deeper at the heart of the matter, where most folks dare not shred go. And once you get down on that deep level, those philosophical, epistemological, ontological, all those cute big words, once you get to those differences, of African reality versus that Bible, all these African origins of and all these apparent similarities just go by the wayside like water going off a duck's back. And so, again, with with, with Dr. Carruthers, he helps lay stuff out in a certain way where if you have the right ear to hear it, you can then see some of those false similarities just, falling off by the wayside. And that, again, is another huge one. Divinity came through one person versus divinity comes through all, all African people. You you, you can't blacken that up with crayon to make it the same. You can't wrap that up in, 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 in... Bogo Lanfini mud cloth and, and make that the same. No. That's two totally different thoughts. And here I advocate jettisoning the foreign stuff and coming back home spiritually. And so, again, yeah, I just spoke on the um, clarification versus mystification. And, he's again, he's not ruling out the need for secrets and that other sort of stuff and the, the real high sort of knowledge, but just this real mystical and I'm the only one. I mean, they tie in. If if it's real mystical, I'm the only one who can interpret it. So follow me, listen to me, give me all your money, and I am all-knowing and all that sort of stuff. Versus we're supposed to be clarifying what African spirituality is. And hopefully these shows, specifically the ones with Dr. Crothers, but then just hopefully the totality of Africa's reascension when we talk directly about African spirituality has been and is about clarifying what it is, making it giving it back some of its profundity without making it too too far out there. Um, I've, I've made sure to even pull myself back from getting too far out there and in, in attempting to explain some of the concepts and sometimes even bringing up some concepts because I don't want it to get too mystical. We're about clarifying stuff, and that's what we should be about. And Dr. Carruthers just brought it home. So we got 
about 18 minutes left and two more clips, so I think we're doing good for time as long as I watch my own mouth. <laughs> um, so here, he just lays out what what must be done, what must we do to get this liberation thing that we're talking about. Um, on the right footing, and I, I would say that his answer concurs with the overall objective of Africa's reascension. So, what we have to do is to realize that symbolically we are building the temple. We are rebuilding the temple. Our temples have been desecrated. Our monuments have been reduced to ruins. Our ancestors have been denigrated. Our heritage has been ridiculed. Our people have been oppressed and suppressed. And what we have to do is to change our world. We have to restore that which is in ruins. We have to rebuild those temples that have been destroyed. We have to restore African spirituality. As I said, we have to stop just simply talking about it. We must link those oases that are scattered out throughout humanity, throughout African humanity. We have to link those oases up together, coordinate what they are doing, and reestablish African spirituality. Because the forces we are up against are organized and unified in a significant sense, even though they have their little family fights. You know, but look at the power of the Catholic Church, the Roman Church. Look at the power of the Greek Church. Look at the power of Islam. Look at the power even of Buddhism. We have to realize that we are in a world now where spirituality has to be united in order, I'm sorry to say, this may sound inconsistent with spirituality, but in order to fight this spiritual world, we have to do it. I was in Venezuela several years ago. Went to one of the museums there, and they had a mural that was as long as this wall. And in this mural, they showed three gods with their uh, devotees supporting them. One was the god of the indigenous people, the Indians, as we call them. The other was the Africans, and the other was the Europeans. And needless to say, the European gods and God and his adherents were utterly destroying the gods of the indigenous people and the African people. They are at war. They have committed the crimes. We have been victimized by that kind of tyranny and that kind of despotism and those kinds of atrocities, that kind of blitzkrieg. And we have to recognize 
that we are as well. And we have to mobilize ourselves in a spiritual sense in order to make certain that we win that war. Because the war will be won. This war will be won in the hearts of African people when we can proclaim that African people are together on this spiritual corner. When we no longer see African so-called Christians fighting other Africans. When we no longer see African Muslims fighting other Africans. When we see Africans united on the spiritual plane, then we know that we are home the world. So we have to rebuild the temple. We have to not only practice rituals in small groups, we have to not only have conferences like this where we talk about it, but we got to do it. We have to establish the temple. We have to have regular renewal of our spirit, regular coming together of our spirit. Uh, that, I think, is the reality that we have to confront. Whew. Our temples have been reduced to ruin. Our ancestors have been desecrated. What we are about is restoring that which is in ruin. That's what we are doing now. We have to restore African spirituality. We have to mobilize ourselves around our spirituality to fight and win the spiritual war. He's not talking about no nebulous, universal, let's all get along together and hold hands. There's a spiritual war going on. When you hear about folks in Nigeria going into some of the traditional areas and turning it up and burning them down and all that sort of stuff, that's a spiritual war. When you hear in Christians fighting Muslims, that's a spiritual war. Um, when you hear still to this day folks talk about voodoo in a negative way, that is a spiritual war, and we don't even know that we're in a spiritual war because we, in the majority, are doing the Christian thing, and and we don't know that our traditions that we brought over here before Christianity are still getting denigrated um, to this day in our faith, so now we even laugh at it. But he was like, we got to do the rituals. We still got to have panel discussions and, and lectures like he's doing right there. But what did he say? We also have to build. We also have to rebuild the temple. And so while he's speaking temple in the sense of restoring African spirituality, he's also speaking rebuild as far as rebuild the nation, rebuilding based on an African base. And being based on an African base, the spiritual peace will be deeply intertwined within all the other, quote-unquote, secular stuff that's going on within that nation. And so, so it's a two-pronged approach, um, almost happening simultaneously and it, it's without um, disconnect. Rebuild the temple rebuild the nation along with talking and doing the rituals. So again, this wasn't another great thing I like about him is he wasn't one of these just 
Ebony Tower or Ivory Tower lecturers. No, he, I was there, and, and it's still there in, in Chicago. It's called the Comedic Institute, and I think they changed the name of it to the um, Dr. Jacob Carruthers Institute. But he and other folks, you know, created that and built that. He helped put together the TACC, the Temple of the African Community in Chicago, and their rituals and all that sort of stuff. So as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So he was working at, as a, being a builder as well as doing the lectures, as well as doing the rituals. And so we could just get a bit of that energy going right now. We'd be a bit further along than where we're going. And so lastly, we want to share what he had to his breakdown of Sinue, if you're familiar with one of our um, comedic stories. And he reads a piece of um, Bukman's prayer, um, one of the prayers that Brother Bukman did in Haiti right before the revolution popped off. And therefore, let me wind it down by reminding you of something that I think I said the first time I spoke to an ASCAT group in New York about the Sinuity, about the Sinuity who left home as a young man because he was afraid of the problem of putting it back together, saying he kind of falling apart and chemist. And he was afraid that it was going to overwhelm him. So he went to a foreign country and found it attractive in his young life. He thought he was intrigued by this exotic foreign person. And he fell into it and he became a, a naturalized citizen and he married and had a family and participated in the war, became an officer in the army and all that kind of stuff. And then one day he found out that he wasn't homeless. One of the great farmers reminded him of that in a very painful way. And even though he won the little struggle, um, <coughs> after he had won it, he wrote to the Pharaoh and asked the Pharaoh could he come back home. And the Pharaoh said, uh, I don't know why you left in the first place or whatever the case. Come back to Timmins. Come back to the black community. See the cradle city as the place where you came into existence. And kiss the ground at the great gate and mingle with your brothers and sisters. And in order to do that, we have one thing left on our journey. And that is the Brooklyn Dirty Fair on August the 14th, 1791, when he organized the Haitian Revolution on the basis of African spirituality. Throw away the image of the white man's God who has so often broke down our tears and listened to liberty which speaks in all our hearts. Throw down the image of the white man's God. Throw it down. Throw it away. So now just imagine. Can you imagine you're in a big circle and Bukman tells you that, and so you, I'm sure there was Haitians there that had the Bible and whatnot in their hands, and maybe they had a big fire up there, and they was just throwing it down, throwing it into the fire right before the, the, the ritual commenced so then they could uh, – do what they did and end up throwing the French off their back. 
throw away the image of the white man's God. I don't know how much more clear it can be. So, again, all these attempts to make that crap ours, I mean, you're going against history, y'all. It, 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 yeah, it's irritating. So we just got a few more minutes left here. Um, for anyone who wanted to read the entire story of Sinue, I think it's called The Story of the Shipwrecked Sailor. Uh, and Miriam Licktime, she she has uh, done some pretty good uh, translations of that story. But, again, if you want it from the African perspective, then you want to pick up um, Baba Crothers' own book called Medu Nature, Divine Speech, um, where he's looking at African deep thought. And that little small purple book is a magnificent book on so many levels. I can't even begin to describe. But in there, in the last section of the book, he goes through a few of the comedic stories, and he gives and he looks at them with African-centered eyes, and he translates them from that perspective and, and, and interprets them from that perspective. And so... The one with the shipwreck sailor, like he was saying, you got the brother off in foreign lands, and he gets, you know, all these status symbols, and he got money and a wife and all that sort of stuff, and then he gets told by somebody who's really a member of that community that you ain't all that, and it shook him to his core, and so then he wrote the pharaoh, wrote the Nasud, asking could he come home, and so... Basically, the Nasut, the pharaohs, like, I don't know why you left anyway, but you are always welcome back home. And then he comes back home, and there's this ritual done for him, and he's given food and a home, and he is welcome back home. And when I was in his class, he used that analogy, he used that story to show how um, it was written for, he feels that it was written for us because Kemet is a black society. And it was written for us, and they felt that they knew that at some point their children, Africa, uh, Africa's children, would lose their way. And so hopefully they would look at this story and find their way back home. And it's telling you that, and it's really speaking to us, stolen Africans, in the sense that, we were taken from Africa, some of us given these titles running the country, and other titles, CEO of this and that and the other, and got all these, all this sort of stuff. Would we be, if we wanted to come back home in a physical or a spiritual, emotional sense, would we be welcomed home? And from talking to people who have actually repatriated, I'm always hearing that they are always welcome with warm arms by continental Africans on the continent. But then the story lets us know that emotionally and, 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 and spiritually and that sort of stuff, we are always welcome back as well. That's the, that's the moral of the story. No matter how far off away from home you may go, you will always be welcome back home. If you you know if you do certain things whatever whatnot but you will be welcome back home and again that's just another example of Baba Carruthers' brilliance and looking at stuff that was written three four five thousand years ago by African people 
and being able to tie it together with what we're going through and make it applicable to today. And if there was no other lesson that anybody got from the original lecture as well as these breakdown lectures, that's the one to get. Read our documents, let them speak for themselves, and make them applicable to your present-day reality. Our stuff has it there. We're just not tied to reading it or tied to reading it that way. We'll just read somebody else's stuff and try to make it applicable for today and then figure out why we still run in circles. So let's start looking at our documents. Let's start going back to the traumatic documents, the Purdue M. Heyru and some of the pyramid texts and quote-unquote coffin texts. And let's dust them off and, and read them and make them applicable for today and then move forward. Um, in some cohesion and unity and then see how much further we'll go. All right. So that was it. Please listen to both parts, then go back and listen to the lecture in its total. Um, and hopefully it'll be a whole new lecture to you. Um, I hope these two analysis pieces um, did good. Give, a, give me some feedback to let me know if you, you all want me to continue this type of format because I definitely plan on playing a lot more lectures. And and if you all like this type of breakdown format, then we'll definitely do it again to either shoot, put some stuff on the comments field on the show page, or you shoot me up an email, Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. Um, and give me some feedback. <clears throat> so, barring anything crazy, same time next week. Um, yeah. Abibi Fahodier, Total African Liberation. Yabedi Inconem, We Will Be Victorious. Um, Madasi to everyone for the it was a great chat room today. Um, Adasi for all the downloads and the archives. Tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, let's get this information out here and do what we're supposed to do as strong African people. Until next week. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. <laughs>